Wardcast episode 133, go. I'm Dylan Alvento, and today I'm joined by Mike Bithel of Bithel Games. How you doing, Mike? I'm good. I'm very good. That's hot. Do you say 133 you've done? That's correct. That's amazing. Technically, it's 134 because the podcast is zero indexed. But <laughs> uh, yeah, it's 133. I should have known, to be fair. I should have assumed zero indexing. I'm a CS major. I know what I'm doing. No, fair play, man. I've, I, uh, I'm going to have to up my game. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You want? Let's talk. Data structures. What's your favorite one? <laughs> your link list I'm, guy? Uh, this you see immediately we're out of my depth. Um, <laughs> as a, as a, my background was like action scripts. Oh really? Wow. Unity script, and they just they they just deprecated support in Unity for Unity script. So I literally can no longer code. I'd have to learn. I've never learned C, so uh-huh. I'm gonna actually have to learn how to program again if I want to program for my games fortunately i work with some very very talented coders so i'm I'm kind of okay for the time being but it's that weird thing where i i can no longer jump into the code and tweak things which is weird that's interesting yeah i was talking to moo you at gdc um which he worked the, the on legendary s- moo the legendary moo yeah uh but he worked on subsurface with you right he did he did yeah well and did an amazing job yeah right yeah i was surprised by that turnaround because he said six months turnaround for that um, game or at least was- on his end um, no, it was actually less than that. It was, I mean, six months in terms of like, um, hey, we should make a game to release day. But in terms of like active development, only about four months was really quick. Wow. Um, and I mean, a lot of that is down to, you know, moves like super experienced, super skilled coder. He worked two day weeks on it. So he's making a, a great game called Knights and Bikes, which is which is coming out. Um, I'm not sure if they've given it a date, but it's, it's on its way um, and uh, is fantastic. And he did, he couldn't, uh, because he was working on that, obviously he didn't want to work on subsurface full time, but we could kind of fit subsurface in the gaps around nights and bikes. And it meant that he got to ship a game, you know, without kind of massively impacting, but it's a testament to how skilled and talented he is that he could do, a, he could basically be the only coder on a game for two days a week and we ship the game in four months it's crazy he's got a uh and he's got quite a background because he worked at insomniac and then also media molecule like he's- yeah he's he's yeah he's a, he's a legend and uh i was incredibly grateful to get to work with him on that it was fantastic and he also lives downstairs from you so that's convenient <laughs> did, he, did he tell you that uh he did and we- then you also told me that over dinner yes we totally, we totally, we totally live in the same building, yeah. Which is, which is, as far as convenient working situations go, right. it's pretty handy. I but, like that. But London, London's like five buildings, so it's it's not <laughs> super special. It's a very small city. It's it's, it's, it's five buildings, and they're all five hundred years old minimum. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah, they're all made of mortar from like you know, King George the first day. Uh. <laughs> So yeah, um, I like the two Americans. That's the first British. That's like the oldest British king because that's the one. I know, that was I know. Born, All right. right, Henry Henry the Third. I mean, what do you want from me? God damn it! I I just I like that. Like Henry the Third. Like surely by definition there must have been a Henry the First. Right? All right, all right like, what do you, what do you want, Mike Charlemagne? What do you want from I wanna, me? I want to I want to I want to. It's time we talked about the Normandy invasion of 1066. I'd like I'd like Americans to acknowledge. No, it's cool. All right, that's all right. uh. Hey, <laughs> sorry. Look, what are your goddamn yeah. kings' bones? Was it a fucking parking garage? You don't even care about your history. All right. 
That's true. That's true. We are we're a terrible people. I mean, I, and to be fair, historically, we are a terrible people. So that's that's kind of a valid statement. Well, as long as we're all on the same page, I think it's good to find common common ground. That's right. The uh, um, so I was I was hanging out with Matt Gambell a lot at GDC, and one of mm. the biggest arguments we got into was basically Celsius versus Fahrenheit. And, and okay. he, he would get so pissed off about Fahrenheit as just a unit of measurement and just like, it does, like, why don't you, why don't you use Celsius? Like the metric system, it just makes sense. Zero is freezing. hundred degrees is boiling for water. And I'm like, Matt, that doesn't make sense because a hundred degrees Celsius is not a, 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 a temperature that humans experience on a regular day. A hundred degrees Fahrenheit makes sense. It's like the upper limit of human experience. Like if it's a hundred de- degrees Fahrenheit outside, like that's like your threshold. If it's zero degrees Fahrenheit, that's another human threshold. A hundred degrees Celsius, no human is ever going to experience outside of cooking. See, I, I've never, I've never felt this strongly about temperature measurements. If I'm honest, I, I, I could, I could affect an opinion if you'd like. I could pretend I have a, a stake, but as far as I'm concerned, there are three temperatures: cold, fine, and hot. <laughs> right. And, and and for the for the layman like myself, that's really all I kind of need. Like I don't, I don't find myself needing the the granularity provided. But no, I don't have a strong opinion. I, I wish I did. I kind of because then I could take part in this argument that you had. I think that would be. That'd be fun. Well, what you need to do is you need to track Matt down during res and just be like, "Look, Kelvin's the way to go." I, I will. I, I. I. I might try that. I might try that. <laughs> uh, so we're already off topic. Let's get back on topic about. Uh, this, is what, this is what the audience wants, right? This is you don't get to 134 episodes <laughs> without <laughs> without something. That's uh, right. Well, uh, I do want to say that when I do have guests on, I try to play their games so like when jay thorn was on i played a little bit of dropsy the clown um i've played some other guest games in the past so i want to say i did endeavor to try to play and beat thomas was alone between yesterday and today and i almost got to the climax i'm pretty sure i got like two two and a half hours in um because so i mean so for full transparency i've never played any of your games but Superb. This will uh, be a great chat. Well, you know, uh, <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Trying to be no, no, honest that's over the here. Thing, right? That's the thing, right? No, this is actually genuinely a, an issue, I think, in the in the indie space is that who's got time to play everyone's games? Right. Like, I'm, 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 I have really good friends who I've not played their games. Sure. Like, and it's, so it's totally fair enough. Like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm taking a mick, but like, it's really sweet that you tried to play Thomas was alone. <laughs> it's, it, I, you probably could have got through subsurface. Subsurface is the shortest one. So that okay. would have maybe been a safer bet. But yeah, Thomas, how far did you get in Thomas? Uh, I got to the part with uh, Joe and Sam. So I got like, okay. Also you got like, you got past like the ending people like into the kind of boring second ending. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Um, Sean Wallace is the voice actor in that. Is that uh, Danny. 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 Yeah. Um, he plays a character called Sean in Assassin's right. Creed. That's so why I got mixed up. The, that's the right. Yeah, Danny. Yeah. Okay. So Danny, um, like his, the way he starts talking about, obviously, like there's the big build up to like them discovering that they can escape and all of that uh, stuff with the main cast with like Thomas mm. and Claire and, and Christopher. Uh, and then when it switches over to like Joe and Sam and gray, then becomes a realization that they're kind of like, like you said, like the second act, like the second class yeah. of people that they're actually going to kind of achieve uh, Nirvana or escape or um, however you want to describe it. Yeah. It's not, 
I like I like that I went for something weird, but like definitely that there is an argument that it should have ended when the principal cast kind of find their ending. I think so I have like a love hate relationship with like inside, right? Because inside does such a good job of building up to like the third act. And then I feel like they completely wasted it because because it's so ambiguous. So ambiguous. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Because especially for me, like when I what I look for in narratives, I look for at least some sort of answer. Right. So I feel like like when it comes to my writing or storytelling or like just living my life, I, I'm trying to seek some sort of universal truth, which obviously there is none. But like it's nice. Like I like it when a story puts like a stake in the ground, says like this is the truth we're trying to circle around. This is all perspective. Yeah, that's right. fair. That's fair. And so when inside kind of has the big reveal and then kind of, you know, fizzles out uh, from my point of view, it's very frustrating. So I think the argument I would have against Thomas was alone. If you ended it with that last, that final scene where you kind of where all the main characters are in their boxes and then it hangs on the screen for a second and then they, and then they, you know, uh, portal out. I think that would have been satisfactory, but like there had been a lot of questions left unanswered. It seems. It seems in terms. I'm sorry. Spoilers, by the way. <laughs> but it's I, Thomas has been out a while, so right. I feel I feel safe talking about it. But like the, um, I think yeah. I think the 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 split in opinion I've seen is generally between people who see Thomas was alone as like a sci-fi um, kind of story about artificial intelligence, mm-hmm. and the people who see Thomas was alone as kind of a children's cartoon style, a friends go on an adventure story. I think as a, I think as a work of sci-fi, I agree with you. Cause to my, to me, that's what it was, but, but you know, just as a work of sci-fi, it needs that last act. Um, I think, I think though, if you're in it mainly because you like the relationship between the characters, which I think a lot of people latch onto that aspect of it and fair enough. I think they hold the the ending holds less interest to them because the characters they've become invested in are no longer present. But I I think you can see both sides of it, and I I, I don't know why I do now. If I had to do a rewrite on Thomas was alone, I think I'd change a lot of things. So. <laughs> you'd you'd make Thomas shoot first. You'd replace all the guns with walkie talkies. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, uh, I, there's a there's a deleted scene with Jabba the Hutt that would just really set off. <laughs> Thomas steps on his tail and like yeah, shoots up two feet. Thomas, too. Yeah, 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 exactly. The uh, no, but like obviously I've been following you for a while, and like I think what draws me to like your work, even though obviously I hadn't, I hadn't played any not of it well in the past, enough, right? It, it drew you towards the work. Not, not <laughs> hey man, because... hey man, I bought that humble bundle. <laughs> That's the thing. I've, I always, I always say that to people. People say like, "Oh, I own Thomas was alone, but I've never played it." And it's like, dude, you're the perfect customer. Like, like you say, got your money. <laughs> Thank and you for you're not yeah. generating any bugs or problems for me. So yeah. you're fine. It's all good. I, it's funny that you bring up bugs. Like the the the. everything in that game like you know being a uni developer it's all physics based right it's all the collision that i realize all that it's like oh especially like unity 3 i think thomas was alone was made in so like physics was they were different times they're different time wasn't good we had to rebuild we had to build a lot of it from scratch for that oh yeah Um, and also just to get the feel right you know because i I do feel like we've got a pretty good jump in there. We've got quite good things, and that was because we made it ourselves. Um, sorry, you were saying though, what draws you to my work is uh, your focus on narrative, or it's like your want to like bring narrative in the game. So, like, obviously, we have a lot of a lot of creators in the indie space who are focusing on narrative. You know, your Campo Santos and and whatnot. But uh, and I and I love Firewatch and and 
games of that sort or like Dear Esther. But like what's interesting about Thomas Was Alone and why I assume the same with volume uh, is that it you, you try to do this meeting of the middle of like still having it, a lot of gameplay focused stuff um, as well as the narrative. And you do interesting stuff with that with like Thomas Was Alone where the way the characters interact with each other gameplay wise then plays into their character's personality. So like how Christopher hates Thomas because he feels he's a jump higher. Yeah. yeah. And also like how he feels like he's taking advantage of him because like I keep stacking Thomas on top of Christopher to like <laughs> get him across parts of the level. Like that's interesting. Well it's 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 kind of it it grew out of with Thomas in particular, it grew out of uh, the fact that I've kind of made a lot of the, the gameplay before I wrote it. You know, the, the story on Thomas actually came much later. I kind of built about half the game in terms of like the levels before I started writing. So the writing was really reactive. I was writing to what was on screen. Usually when you write something, you write it and then you implement after the fact, you know, to some degree with this stuff. Um, so being able to go, Oh, I'm jumping like like you say, like oh, I'm jumping on Chris's head a lot. I wonder if that's annoying him, you know? Like I'm actually trying to extrapolate those those story beats out. That 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 was that worked really well with Thomas. And actually, with Thomas was alone. Um, I just feel like I'm insulting Thomas was alone now. But about fifty percent of the way through the game is where I caught up with myself in terms of I made the first half and I, I wrote to that, and then the rest of it I wrote and made in tandem. And I think actually the writing suffers because I'm writing stuff before I'd made the levels to do it. So it kind of, it feels more like it's based, feels like the gameplay is based on the writing rather than writing me based on the gameplay. I think it's still good, but it's not as strong as that opening half. Um, but yeah, in terms of the balance between gameplay and storytelling, it's definitely, it varies from game to game. I'd say volume's more gamey um, than, you know, less storytelling in that than Thomas. And then um, if you look at like subsurface, um, it flips back around the other way. Like subsurface is, I mean, it's a text adventure visual novel conversation tree game. And there's there's mechanics in there. There's game design in there. But I think the, your main takeaway from that game is I just read a, a story. You know, it's definitely a more of possibly even more story focused than Thomas was. So I bounce around depending on what the idea, what what makes sense for the idea and the kind of the, the, the way we want the player to feel. Cool. The, um, do you have like, I kind of have this. Do you have any sort of like inherent need to be very prolific with this kind of stuff? Because obviously games take a while. And like, like we said, like uh subsurface was a pretty fast turnaround is like, <laughs> was that partially it's like, I, I want to, I want to make more work or like, was it said, was it based on the needs of the story that it had a short development cycle? Um, I think it was, it was, I mean, I'm definitely prolific. If you look like Thomas was alone, I think just, like so end of last year was like its fifth anniversary so it's been five years and i've made volume we made Earthshape, which was a little kind of vr project with google that was very specific to a specific piece of hardware so you know not a lot of people played it but that was a fun project um and then subsurface so i've so we, we we've shipped one two three four games in five years which is yeah that is fast especially for indie developers like that's not i think i'm probably outpacing most of the people if you think about like yeah like like, like something like campo santo obviously they take much longer over a game and, and arguably those games are much better than mine uh because of the amount of extra work the time they're taking which is good but yeah i i i think the whole 
I'm of the opinion that the whole cycle is a useful learning experience. So making the making the game, then seeing how the game's received by the audience, and then starting on the next game, that whole loop is really useful. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm just trying to do more of those loops so I can so I can learn and get better. Because I'm definitely I hope still quite early in the career, even though like I've been making games now for like 10 years professionally. Right. Hopefully I've still got I mean, I, I, I know other people do this maths as well. I'm 32. So I've got probably 30 more years, hopefully, like tops, probably <laughs> realistically about 20 years to actually make stuff. Uh-huh. So if I'm taking five years over every game, that's just four games I get to make. That's not enough. So yeah, I prolific because I want to learn, but also because I just want to make as much stuff as I can. Um, but, you know, again, it can scale up and down depending on what the game is. I think there's definitely an argument for... Um, making these shorts, they're fun experiments, and we can get stuff done quickly. But there's certainly other games I want to make that will take longer, so I'll, I'll take the time that's needed. But yeah, these the shorts definitely come from this thing of, especially with uh, like an idea like Subsurface. Subsurface, very early on, we realized, like, this is a game that's going to be fun for an hour and a half or two hours. You're not going to want to play this for 10 hours, so let's budget it accordingly, take the amount of time that's responsible to do that so that it actually can pay for itself. You know, we don't want to take five years making something that's two hours long because probably we won't sell enough copies and we can't put the price up to a level where we'd be able to recoup the money we'd, we'd spent on it. It's important to me that we get to keep making games, which means every game has to kind of be profitable, which right. fortunately up till now, all of our games have been. So we'll see if that goes wrong on the next one. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> you, you got, you got Alexander helping you out, which uh, from all, from what I've heard, he's an awesome dude. He's um, my grown up. Yeah. John Swinsky. He, um, yeah, he's a ninja. So he's the, yeah, he does all the business side. So I, he came in towards the end of volume because basically with volume, I was really struggling to balance, like doing the creative. And also because Thomas was alone, was taking off. Like there was suddenly like bank accounts and lawyers and the business stuff. And I just couldn't care less about that. <laughs> um, so having someone come in who is, you know, who's very focused on that stuff and gets it and actually enjoys that process just means that now I just get to do the creative work with my team and, and make cool stuff and and reliably understand that that the business is being run well, which 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 means that we all get to keep making stuff. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I uh, it's always interesting seeing kind of like those. I, I have a lot of developer friends, indie developers who are very much hands off with like the business stuff. It's like I, that doesn't interest me. I have a background in CS, but also uh business because when i was really young i was i was doing a lot of creative stuff and working with people and i got burned pretty bad uh and i was very much like i need to i need to learn i need to learn this stuff like i can't go into a room and people be like we're the experts just trust us no no and that's the that's the thing like i mean me and alexander i mean i definitely had to know him for like i think i'd known him for about three years four years before i had any like faith in bringing him in and then in terms of like giving up control of certain things has taken, you know, even after that, even, you know, with the enormous amount of respect, it is a scary thing to give up control, uh, especially if um, you're living inside a uh, survivor's bias where you're like, well, everything I did up to this point seems to have worked well. So I guess I'm a genius, which is a little voice I think is in everyone's head. Who's had like a success like that. And you have to be smart enough to ignore that voice and go, no, you probably got lucky up to this point. If this, if you were watching someone else going through this process, you'd be like that lucky bastard. 
he's going to mess it up at some point. And it's, it's the same thing. And you have to have that kind of out of body experience where you go, no, we need to grow up and, and get the help I need. Right. Which, I mean, in the beginning success helps beget more success simply because then you have like, like you said, if you start being wiser and getting more help, you, your, your early success, you just use that to shore up like, yeah, I'm riding the wave. Like I'm still riding. I got lucky five years ago. And because of that, that means I have like money and time and visibility. So I can use those. So yeah, of course, like it's a massive privilege to have all of that stuff that you can kind of use to do this. So I'm definitely not saying like, you know, the problem with these new upcoming indies is they they don't spend millions <laughs> on blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, that's definitely, I've seen I've seen people make that argument. It's a stupid argument. What do you mean you don't have a lawyer on retainer? What are you talking about? Why don't about? you have a lawyer on retainer? Get a lawyer on retainer. It's super easy. And, uh, you just <laughs> I do it. Loads, loads of money. Yeah. But like it's, but it is like, um, but but at the same time, like I won't apologize for riding the wave I'm on, you know, sure, and 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 carrying on. But yeah, it's a, it's definitely a problem because because the the thing that happens a lot, you know, is you get asked for advice, you get asked to do talks at conferences, you get asked to do all of this stuff and be like someone who gives advice on the internet to everyone, right. And so often I just have to delete a tweet midway through writing it because it's like, who is this useful to? Yeah, if your advice, if step one of your advice is be me, then it's not useful advice. <laughs> make like it's Thomas not, was alone. Make Thomas first. You, what you got to do is you got to release a rectangle-based platformer on Steam in 2012. <laughs> then you know, it's like it's not useful to people. So I try and balance that out. But yeah, it's uh anyway. It's, as far as problems go, it's not the worst in the world. Yeah, that's interesting because yeah, I saw that you have a you have a talk at at Brighton at Develop Brighton with Rami. It's interesting, <laughs> like just seeing like the the you know the successful ones and like you know the same suspects like come up over and over again and i'm here it's just like man that's gotta get boring that's gotta get repetitive not saying that that talk specifically will be boring but like the me and rami's combined disdain for that fact the fact that it's always the same because the, the, like the number of times where me and rami have been like invited to do stuff right and it's like are you doing this yeah okay like it's 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 yeah it's it's nonsense and it's all based on survivors bias and my advice is no more valuable or i mean maybe maybe i'm competent at my job but like it just because my game sold more doesn't mean i'm less i'm more valuable as a as a as a advisor so i think the fact that me and rami think it's all nonsense helps us right. a little bit to yeah. like stay safe so no that 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 thing we're doing in Brighton, i think it's we're calling is it like a fireside chat so i can't remember what something we're like it, that yeah it's basically just gonna be me and rami sat on stage talking nonsense like it's and that's fine and there's people who want to see us talk about stuff and yeah hopefully what's also nice is you can do q a i find q a super useful i'd rather do um q a than do a talk because if q a the audience actually going to tell you what they want to know about and there is stuff obviously that you can kind of give very specific advice to people in awkward situations because you've been there right but at the same time yeah it's a, it's a balancing act and that's why i like having people that a haven't been on podcasts before and you know or are very you know I, i've had callum on when i had callum on it was like his first podcast he is like is there is this all kosher is like are we doing everything right and like dude it's fun. it's like it's just a conversation <laughs> it's just conversations yeah, yeah. being recorded what and, you're saying is i'm overexposed and you're not that excited to be talking no to me. i'm I get, super excited no, to be talking it. to it's you. fine why it's, i'm excited for you i was going to lead into this but why i'm excited to dude. talk to you is because i want to talk about stuff that you haven't had a chance to talk about previously because i don't want to preload it with like so tell me about Thomas was alone, the hit, <laughs> the hit platform narrative based game from 2012. Like I, 
how did you make those rectangles so emotional? It's <laughs> <laughs> like my go-to first question in like 50% of interviews. The, uh, it's, so when I had Becca Saltzman on, she was telling me like afterwards, which I loved having Becca on, and obviously I would love to have Adam on, but I think having Becca on first was great because I got to talk to someone who obviously wasn't like the huge like, you know, celebrity game designer that like everyone wants to talk to. And then she told me about how Adam has this FAQ, right? He has this FAQ for uh, Cannibal, where when someone wants to do an in- interview with him, he gives them the FAQ. It says, like, are, are these any of the questions that you're going to ask? If so, here are the answers to them. And then if you have any <laughs> follow-up questions or anything new to ask me, here's the... And that makes him sound like a dick. But no, it's like... No, I totally... I can I can fully appreciate where that comes from. Like, the number of... Because you, 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 as the person answering the questions, you feel like, well, do I have to be interesting every time? Do I have to come up with right. new answers to these questions? Sure. So I totally get where he's coming from with that. Yeah. yeah. Like me being here, like if someone wanted to talk to, like if press or something wanted to interview me, I'd, be, I'd sure like the first time I'd be like, yeah, awesome. Let's talk. And then by like the 12th time I'd be like, okay, like what, what do I, what do I have to donate? What do I have to contribute to this? Yeah, that's that's the thing for me as well. Is like I don't, I I I want people to find whatever I have to say interesting, so I don't want to repeat myself too much. But no, I, that, I like the idea of an FAQ. Actually, I might steal that. That's good. <laughs> it's a really nice kind of calm, polite but very blunt way of like making sure that stuff doesn't happen. So that's good. Right, and so that's what I tried to do with like the podcast. It's like, all right, let's just talk. Let's just talk about whatever the like. When I had Felix on, we didn't talk about games barely at all. We like just bullshitted for 45 minutes and like (laughs) i like doing that because like you know if you listen to the talk with felix or you listen to the talk with becca it's like a very it it can be kind of rambling and kind of random but out of that randomness you can kind of suss out you could pick out stuff that you wouldn't get in just a straight laced interview sure like becca talked a lot about like you know her relationship with like her kids obviously and it's like all right well then if someone is an indie that is a parent to young children then they can understand that perspective and they might not yeah. usually get that if i just sat there and try to you know kowtow questions to to finji and about finji it's 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 cool how those two definitely are normalizing the idea of like having a balanced family life and the work like it's it's something that i, I think tech in general but games specifically can feel like it's something for 20 year olds to do and then, you know, but the idea of like, no, these are people with responsibilities who take those responsibilities very seriously and also manage to make kick-ass games. Like, yeah, so that, I, no, that's cool. That's a, that's a great part of how, how those guys present themselves and how they share their stuff and their lives with people. It's cool. Yeah. I don't know. Did you watch the BAFTAs last night? I did not. I did not. I didn't see it. When, uh, when Night in the Woods won Best Narrative, uh, Adam and Alec went up and Adam's <laughs> speech was like, like to thank all these people. I like to thank my kids for putting up with our weird erratic <laughs> schedule. Because I mean, they you know they disappear and they come back. You know they're gone for a week for GDC. They come back for a week, and then they left for Pax East. Like mm. it's it's interesting. I wonder what it's like to be the child of a <laughs> of a game designer and like explaining that to people, explain it, and as you grow up, like understanding what that means and be like, yeah, video games are boring because you know my parents just they work on them all the time. Yeah, yeah. I bet that's the same of like the kids of like rock stars or actors or like anyone who has these kind of weird jobs. My little sister managed to convince her entire class for about a year that her big brother invented Minecraft. 
Like, she had her entire class convinced that, like, and there was just enough supporting evidence of, like, me being someone who was a game <laughs> developer that she could kind of string them along a little bit. Which That's is pretty great. good. Yeah, I, uh, I, volu- my, my girlfriend is a, um, uh, elementary school teacher. She teaches fourth grade and they had a career day a couple, the, the Friday after GDC. So I came home and then worked regularly and then went to her school f- that Friday. Uh, and then they, um, so I came in, I was going to talk about video games. So I like had them play the game I was working on and like showed them what code looks like and all this stuff. Uh, but when I first started talking about it, I was very much like open questions. If you have a question, just raise your hand. This isn't going to be like me lecturing you. And then, and then that's it. Top three questions. Number one, did you make Minecraft? <laughs> Number two, did you make Fortnite? <laughs> Number three, did you make Roblox? <laughs> Fortnite has blown up, right? In the last, like, it did very well at launch, but it feels like it's, like, hitting, like, cultural relevancy now. Like, I'm seeing people who don't talk about games talking about Fortnite. I mean, you know, after Drake and Ninja did their stream. It's, it's the Drake thing, right? Yeah. That's the... That's the turning point. Or maybe it's the Roseanne thing. When Roseanne started talking about playing Fortnite, then oh, that's did what she? It, yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. She had some interview or something, and she was like talking about using the jetpack or something in Fortnite. And I was like, where are we right now? It's it's the future we all dreamed of. Yeah. <laughs> Games are back, Mike. Games are back in a big way. It's very exciting. Games, games and Bitcoin. Those are the two things now. Fuck games and yes. Bitcoin. Fuck yes. We need to combine them. How many how many uh, cryptocurrency pitches did you get at a uh, at GDC? Too many, too many. <laughs> like, like I I have a functional understanding of what blockchain is, but like the number of people who have just kind of like just started up company because you can get so much investment in blockchain. Oh right? sure, it's the VR of 2018. Exactly, but at least with VR, you put the headset on, and it was this cool thing, right? right. And you're like, this is actually amazing, and lots of VR stuff is fantastic and innovative. Blockchain, it's some like it feels like some of the applications like you're you're seeing especially in games are just like this is you're just over complicating something games already do we don't i don't understand why and it's just because you get to say blockchain five times right and and get some money well that's the thing right it's a it's a money thing so like vr it's like obviously you, you you get investment because like oh this is a new technology it obviously has a growth cycle like if we if we get in we're on the ground floor of it right like there's like there's a couple of steps between vr and money but blockchain it's like one step between that and money because like that's what it's currently used for is for cryptocurrency so everyone's seeing like the cryptocurrency boom which is now flattened out uh, and they're just because like because it's nonsense because exponential like I just it seemed and it also with all of these things they cycle through and I like I said I've been in the games industry ten years so I'm not a veteran I'm not some wizened genius but even I've seen these things come through like three or four times now and you're like it's it's you see the com you see like the specific blockchain conference is happening you see this and you're like okay we got about two more years and then everyone doesn't care anymore. Or I'm wrong. Or I'm wrong, right? That's the other thing. I know with all of these things that you never know. One of them might, like blockchain, could genuinely change the world. I don't see it. It just seems like one of those things that seems complicated enough that people don't fully understand it, so assume it might be magic. Yeah, and I, that's kind of that's my read of it. I don't know. I'll now get like a bunch when this goes up. I'll now get a bunch of hate mail about. Let me tell you about blockchain and uh, proof of stake and proof of purchase, and let me tell you how this works. It's going to change the worlds. Yeah. I don't know. It's going to make a lot of people some money. I'll say that. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't know. Like, my my 
my Ethereum investment's kind of flattened out, but if it goes back up, I bought in early enough that I'll make some money back. <laughs> a decent, maybe a paycheck or two. I don't know. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, is there a lot of Silicon Valley, for lack of a better term, Silicon Valley bullshit in London? Like, is that... Uh, not if you work as hard to avoid it as I do. <laughs> okay. Um, no, there is. I've, I've, I've worked at a couple of startups and things. It's it's fine. But yeah, there's... There's the, the thing that frustrates me when you with this with this with the startup culture stuff is I don't I don't get I completely understand and respect it but I don't I don't love it when I encounter a company that's clearly not trying to create something yeah just just to get just trying to get investment and there are companies that don't seem to have that objective I, to me a company is something you use to make a thing yeah and that's a really old fashioned <laughs> kind of approach. <laughs> But like, I'm not proud of Bithel Games as a company. I'm proud of the games that Bithel Games makes. It's important to me that the company is functioning and structured well enough that it can make the games. But I'm not, I'm not excited about the company. I'm excited about what we build with it and and, and the people I get to work with on those things. And so the whole kind of yeah, the startup culture. You know, there's the idea of a serial entrepreneur is something that you hear a lot, and it's like, so you've. So, so like the idea of like starting several companies doesn't make sense to me because why would you need to? You just make the thing right. Thing. Yeah. Um. So it's a it's a weird culture and and but I you know what like if people find joy in it and if it pays for kids to go to schools then it's worth it. But still. Yeah, I was um my concentration was in entrepreneurship, so I had a lot of um I had a colleague who was a serial entrepreneur um and he's gotten like uh, investments and stuff for his company, but he had to he had to go through several companies, several ideas before he got to the one that's like doing pretty well now. Um, but yeah, there's this. I have gone so far from you know being my senior year in college of like all right, uh, you know entrepreneurship like uh, um, startup culture you know what's my burn rate what's my cash flow etc cetera, etc cetera, to being kind of and this is probably mostly due to twitter being super kind of anti-capitalist like <laughs> like still wanting to you know have a business and have it you know to create something like like well, you the said things you're describing are important cash flow is the most important thing sure. in terms of like keeping making games but it's when they must those things are in service of the things you make and and unfortunately yeah we do live in a capitalist society sadly so basically as long as the people i work with have rent to pay i have to be a capitalist because i have to make sure that they can pay their rent so that's kind of my go-to excuse as a lefty who runs a studio <laughs> but also like you know i had the hardest time because like i used ward i used my game studio as my senior project because like all right well this is obviously what i want to work on so let me let me let me keep working on it, and this is a perfect excuse so I can make a business plan and work on all this stuff and work on a marketing strategy, and and you, we would have to do these pitches. So we did like multiple pitches throughout the course of the year, and it's like, yeah, okay, it's it's business for video games, and they're like, I don't get it. I'm like, well, I want to do I want to do a game, so like software, but also art and narrative, and they were just like, I don't I don't get it. I don't understand. And you know what? That's that's where I come down on the other side as well. Is fair enough right like like video games are a terrible business why i'm always surprised when i when people do invest in games companies because it's right. so hit driven that you can't you can you can you can run the kind of studio that i run which is like the lights stay on everything's fine everyone gets paid on time um but no one's becoming a millionaire like it's just a solid stable business or you can massively fail or you can have a game that blows up and then everyone's a millionaire. 
Um, and those there's not there's not much gradation between those things. Yeah. So I can totally understand from a business perspective, like it's a risky investment, basically. Like I, I completely I'll never begrudge anyone not wanting to invest money in video games because it is you're taking a big risk. The payoff is potentially insane. Right. But like at the same time, like it's it's fair enough. It's and that's one of the reasons I think it, it should be thought of as creative medium first. And the business is what supports that. The the business book that uh, we published with Mike Futter was um the the tagline on that is how to build the how to build the business you'll build games with that's the right way around to me that's the you know the business is the is the thing is the machine you build so that the game comes out the other side exactly yeah and i mean i wasn't when when i was doing those pitches it wasn't like i mean obviously like the end goal would be like hey like investment or mentorship or whatever but like uh even my classmates my age were still like having trouble grokking with it because it didn't fit the standard Silicon Valley mold of like, here's this innovative idea or here's like a twist. We put yeah. we, You're gonna we get your five times investment in the first two years or whatever. Yeah. We disrupted feet and this is our <laughs> new startup. Uh, Putting wheels on feet. You're going to be able to roll down the sidewalk. San Francisco, that'd be popular actually because of the hills. But how you do you stop? You don't. You, never <laughs> you just go <laughs> into the water. What you do is the shoes are like rideshare shoes. So as you get to where you want, you jump off the shoes. They keep rolling down the street. <laughs> Someone jumps on. I jumps on. Yeah. Um, it's really useful as long as you want to go downhill. Uphill. That's gonna. That's that's in the future. That's in the business plan. Yeah. That's stage two. It's the worst thing is the number of people we're gonna have to pay to carry the shoes back up the hill. Um, that's the. That's the. That's the app. Maybe we can. I don't know what we'll do with that. We'll we'll work we'll, it. Some, we'll blockchain it. We'll blockchain it. There, blockchain it. We'll use AI. We'll use AI. We'll have an innovative algorithm that takes the shoes back up to the top of the hill. Uh, it's a paradigm shift. It's it's going to change everything. Our mission is to change the way you roll down a hill on a pair of borrowed shoes. <laughs> it combines the best parts of a runaway train and having to wear. Um, shared shoes at bowling alley. It combines the best parts of those experiences and creates something truly disruptive. You had me at runaway train. You had me there. Done. Let's let me uh, clear your check. Here's your series A. <laughs> uh, well, it's funny because someone probably already pitched it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I I don't know. I don't know. I bought I bought the book. I bought the book from Mike when I was at at Pax East. I was like saving a copy. Um, and yeah, I really enjoyed your foreword specifically about you talking about like yeah when i started i was like i wish i had this book when i started making games independently because whew, there's a lot of things that i missed out on here well that was the that was the genesis of it was was kind of talking to alexander talking to mike and just being like the amount of stuff those guys know and understand already but also the amount of information that's there among people who've done it and taking that advice and working out a way to share it in a way that was genuinely useful to people just starting out. Um, Cause nothing really existed like that. The best business books we could find about the games industry were like pre steam, you know, like 20 wow. years old. It's like, this is, this is how you get your discs made. And it's like, that's not going to be relevant to people starting out at all. So yeah, I'm really happy with that. I'm really proud of what, what he did, what, what what all of our contributors did and the fact that yeah we were in a position to kind of pay for it and get it made was was fantastic it's a nice thing i think that hopefully will help people yeah i liked having him i had him on the show uh i was talking to alexander and to get him on the show uh right after pax west last year and we were talking about it and you know since he has an mba we were we were geeking out a bunch about different business stuff we talked a bunch about uh 
previous old THQ's uh, kind of financial position before they went under and stuff. Um, I, I, I worked I worked as a developer with THQ just before all of that, so I oh, was really? like was one of those kind of the grunts at the lowest level, kind of watching that kind of building fall over. <laughs> um, so it's fun. And they're like, we're going to uh, uh, what what do they call Bakersfield in England? They call it a. Uh, uh, no, it's called bankruptcy. No, but there's another term like for liquidation or something. Administration. administration. Uh, they're like, we're going to administration. Here's your free UDraw tablet. Please see yourself out. Oh man, the UDraw tablet. I remember working on stuff for UDraw tablet. Wow, I forgot <laughs> that. What a, what a what a machine. What a device. <laughs> so was that was that where you were immediately before you went independent, or were you somewhere else as well? Uh, so that was Blitz, which was like we worked. It was a, a really old, kind of successful at its time British studio that made a lot of uh, licensed games, which THQ obviously shipped a lot of. Okay. So Nick did a lot of Nickelodeon stuff, for example, there. Um, and then, and we were basically the business was built on the idea that we were cheap americans so basically americans were american publishers if they needed like a cheaper game made uh they would go to the uk because we all you know we watch american movies we watch american tv we're culturally savvy enough about american culture to make products for americans but we're also cheaper and that worked really well until canada introduced the tax breaks and then all of that business went to canada um, and the UK industry kind of suffered. And that was so the point where the UK industry was at its darkest moment was the point where um, I, I was working in Facebook games for a little while and then I went independent. And the, the, the I kind of was small enough that I survived. But like a lot of the big studios died in that kind of period over here. And um, now there's tax breaks again, which means that the game, the British games industry is kind of growing and doing quite well. But um, yeah, it was a, a dark moment there. Yeah, I mean, it went through. I mean, it's really sad, like all the stuff we lost. I mean, obviously with like, uh, I mean, Lionhead was a big one. Obviously there's, there's Microsoft like influences there that caused that to happen. Um, is bizarre still around or is bizarre, bizarre creations. I can't remember. Um, I feel like they are, but they're not cool anymore. Is that right? I can't remember. They're in Brighton, aren't they bizarre? Oh, I thought they were in the North, but I, I might be getting confused. But I know my British geography just as well as I know my British history, so... Well, clearly I don't know it either, so... <laughs> um, I don't know. I'm just Googling them now. Bizarre creations. Oh, no, they are. Well, Liverpool, sorry. Apologies, you're absolutely right. I'm confusing them with someone else in Brighton. Um, but they closed, yeah, sorry, in 2011. So, yeah, we, there was a lot, and, and it was, you know... It, I mean, it's nice seeing Rare back on the ascendant you know after kind of uh you know having being forced into a position to do a lot of kind of quite you know boring stuff they're doing now this sea of thieves and that's awesome and i know a few people working on that and it's nice to see them kind of having their resurgence so it's a good time in the british games industry i really do think that but it's uh yeah it was a tough time before <laughs> yeah i mean and now now you just have to deal with brexit i guess <laughs> yeah see what all comes to that just just all clinging to trying to hope well, it's funny because, I mean, I talked to Henry Hoffman about it, and that was like a year and a half ago, and it's funny just like, oh, Brexit's still like, we're still ramping up to like, to the final showdown with Brexit, I guess, like a year and a half later. Yeah. You see how this happens. It's, it's, it is, 
someone was saying it's 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 not that the UK's shot itself in the foot, it's that the UK's promised to shoot itself in the foot a year from now and is definitely going to go ahead right. with it because it's embarrassed not to. It's got it's this that, finger on the it's trigger. The most, it's the most British self-destruction where it's mainly politeness <laughs> that's going to kill us. Um, so yeah, no, it's 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 going to suck. It's gonna it's already it's half it there's a weird quirk of it is because the pound is suffering so much um actually in the short term people like myself whose business is built on exporting uh, because most of my games are bought in america uh it means i actually am better off because our pound is so weak but the pound being weak will lead to economic outcomes that will then make things much worse in a few years so it's that kind of yeah there's a weird bubble we're in right now where things are actually okay but it looks like the numbers are skewing in a direction that's quite worrying. We'll see. That's a shame. Yeah. Well, on that dour note, uh, <laughs> what what else? What else do you want to talk about, Mike? Take the lead. I don't know. Have you been playing anything? I've been playing Far Cry. New Far Cry. Far Cry Five. Yeah. Have you played that? I have not. I haven't. Uh, I played. I was a. I played two. Not a big fan of two. Played three. Really like three. Haven't played one since then. So three, yeah, three, three feels like that was the, that was the kind of, yeah, that was like the perfect Far Cry game, I think. I think that was the magic moment. Since then, I mean, Far Cry 4 was basically very similar, kind of did its own thing, but was kind of in the same vein. Far Cry 5 is the point where I feel it's like season six of the sitcom, where like, it's technically like, like, Ross and Rachel are still interesting, but like you kind of, it, there's, there's, it's not quite as magical as it was. Far Cry Five feels similar; that it feels it's been around a bit too long without massively changing up stuff. There's still great ideas, and Ubisoft has, I genuinely think, some of the best game design in terms of like um, communication and and uh, and and how they how they make gameplay accessible to a massive audience. That's great, but I think yeah, they've they're the, the you feel overwhelmingly powerful. You feel it's a little bit like the game's a bit, it's a bit too easy, weirdly. Um, and then from a storytelling point of view, there's a really interesting problem because Far Cry's always been about exoticizing strange locations yeah. and kind of not really necessarily being very deep with the politics or the history of those places and kind of just giving kind of a picture postcard theme park version of that place. And, watching america react to having that approach taken to their culture <laughs> Done to them, yeah is really odd and interesting because like the criticisms that are being said about far cry 5 and how it kind of how it approaches kind of certain political stuff in america or how it kind of uh, takes kind of a, a very safe route on certain things is what it's been doing the whole time but it's just i think because um there's an american sensitivity to a lot of those topics at the moment for understandable reasons um it's 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 odd culturally and then storytelling wise though the villains are still really interesting it's worth playing i'm having a good time with it but i'm, I'm i've hit that point i always hit in an open world game about two-thirds of the way through where i'm like okay i'm done with all the side quests just get me to the ending of the game now i'm i've had enough of this experience i'm most most open world games now for me feel about a third or a half too big like i get to a point where i'll play them for the first half and i'll be doing every side mission every side quest and then there's just a point for me usually about halfway through to a third two thirds through where i'll be like no i just want to just get me to the end credits now I've, I've had my fill i've seen everything i've had the experience that you laid out for me yeah i, I was like that with horizon where i was just like 
well, also I was borrowing it from someone, so I had the extra pressure of like, all right, they're they're gonna want this back. And now I think he fucking bought an extra copy because he wanted to see how it looked on his <laughs> PS4 Pro. So I was like, I don't know what I'm doing right now. But it was just like because I had a I had a false assumption about the scope of that game, and when I saw it was like a true open world game, like I thought it was like more linear than it was. I'm like, oh, okay, I'm I'm still gonna treat this linearly. Like that, like it it wasn't really grabbing me. I'm still like building up. Like I'm I'm probably like four or five hours in. I'm like I need to I need to just stay on the straight and narrow to because I think feel like that's gonna get me as far as I can through this game. If like I tried to stop and do everything, it's not as it's not as engrossing as like a Witcher or like a, a Fallout or Skyrim or something. Like I just want to go on the straight now. But with Far Cry Five, it's interesting. Like I kind of do want to talk about like the narrative stuff they didn't they're doing in that because from my perspective, it seems like they're not like they didn't go as hard as they could have or as far as like people wanted them to. Um, with the commentary of, of the current political climate and you know mid middle uh, America, they actively they actively did the Ubisoft thing which is that kind of this game was made by a multicultural team of many different gender identities who are who have many political leanings they did the and the whole game kind of has that vibe to it of like um the 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 cultists um who you could point and and my goal here is definitely not to make any massive political statements but to kind of historical fact the cult which is definitely inspired by a lot of kind of american uh, cults that have happened over the years predominantly um made up of white people for example in the game they're culturally diverse and, and racially diverse ac- across both the goodies and the baddies so the cultists and the other um the uh, the idea of like um right wing left wing wing politics exists on both sides as well so you have these weird situations where you're you're taking missions from a character who's talking about globalist conspiracies and you're like but that's i know what globalist means i've been on the internet long enough to know what that's code for <laughs> yeah this is this is odd but 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 it's presented in kind of a, a fun silly enough way that kind of it's it's you 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 kind of go with it a bit um, and then you'll have like a lefty character on the bad guy's side, and you're like, in real life, you would, you, you'd also be, you know, could totally be a bad person, but you wouldn't be hanging out with these bad people. You'd be on right. different. So there's weird stuff like that. But again, as I said, that's that kind of that's always been present in these Far Cry games and and Assassin's Creed and a lot of their games. Um, it's just I think because everyone's you know so laser focused on American politics right now. It, it has a, a certain um it's in it's it's in it's brought into relief there's a lot of torch being shone on it right now right um and yeah it, it is weird like american politics like i if i listen to the news in the uk it's scary 50 percent of that news is going to be about america and your president's tweets and all of these kind of things and it's just it's weird how much that has, how much it's dominating the conversation. I think worldwide now, at least the English-speaking world. Um, I don't know. I don't know elsewhere, but like probably North Korea. I'm, I'm sure North Korea is paying pretty <laughs> close attention, attention to it. I'm paying attention. I would have thought, but yeah. So, so I, yeah, I can understand the criticisms of Far Cry. I, I think it's, it's a weird situation where I think given Far Cry 5 probably started development about five years ago, they wouldn't have known what they were walking into with it. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be my only defense of them, is that they started this game at a point where, you know, yes, cults were a thing, and survivalists, and kind of that weird kind of... Uh, prepper, doomsday prepper. Prep, doomsday preppers, those kind of cultural things. 
were interesting and like you'd watch a f- interesting documentary about like what survivalists are like and that was it was kind of this cultural oddity thing i think <laughs> they had no way of knowing like what the what the cultural climate would be in 2018 that would be have, you know receiving this game as a piece of mainstream entertainment so there is that but the but at the same time, I'm definitely not letting them off the hook. I think I think story-wise there could be more, but I can I can understand why all the choices they made were right choices, but led to a position where people are are, are putting criticism onto it. I, I can kind of see both sides on this, which is an odd position to take in 2018 on any political issue, but I can definitely see where that's kind of how that how it happened. Yeah, I mean, and and it's interesting, like you can making the comparison to the previous Far Cry, because like I don't know the geopolitical situation of like Nepal, right? Or like I'll tell or, you, I'm sh- I, I I mean, I don't either, but I guarantee it's more complicated than presented by Far Cry, right? <laughs> like, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's interesting if you compare like uh, Far Cry 5's like commentary on you know modern day or modern America if you um if you want to reduce it down and then compare it to like wolfenstein 2 where it's like wolfenstein 2 is even like further removed from like contemporary america or contemporary society but they still because of what's going on with contemporary america they're still able to to rope that stuff in and they i feel like they leaned into it harder than far cry 5 ultimately did they did. I think they're they're they also do benefit massively, and we should never underestimate how much they benefit from the a the comedic element of those games. I love Wolfenstein. I love the the the, the rebooted versions of those. Um, the comedic element, the heightened element, the fact that we all still in sane circles agree that Nazis were evil and that ideology is disgusting. Like that's that's still. The fact that that's an agreed upon thing makes it a lot easier to take a strong stance. Um, I, th- I can absolutely understand that. Like, I think there's a lot more room for negotiation and discussion in something like Far Cry, like how a character is acting. There's no one in Far Cry running around in um, a, Ku- a Ku Klux Klan uniform, for example. Like, there's not that kind of caricature level. And I'm not saying Wolfenstein is wrong to inv- evoke caricatures. It's a B movie, fun, big action game. Like, that's that's the that's the set they're playing with. But I definitely think that that allows them more flexibility to 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 make fun and to kind of draw parallels um in a way that i can i can totally understand why with something as kind of complex and and set in the modern day in middle america you know i can understand i can understand the logic of sorry yeah i can understand i can understand how that happens um but i, I don't think it's i don't think it's wrong to ask for greater depth from it um It'll be really interesting because, you know, with DLC, with additional stuff, like, do they do they go somewhere interesting with that? Because that, that stuff would have been started later, so maybe there's more stuff they can say with it. Right, which I think most of the DLC is, like, Blood Dragon-esque, isn't it? Like, there's one on Mars, and there's one, uh, one in Vietnam. So they may well have made the decision to just... We're not going there. We're just going to step away. Um, I think it definitely it definitely has stuff to say. It definitely has fun to poke at America, but I think in a more generalized, non-specific, not dangerous way. Like it's not taking any risks on that stuff. It's right. fair to say. Which, which I mean, obviously, I feel like in the current state of the world, I would like to see my media take more risks. Not to say that I still I still want to play Far Cry Five because I super enjoy three and I'd love to play more of that. Um, but also, there's a lot of games coming out, Mike, and I don't know if I have time to play Far Cry right now. 
No, and that's fair enough. I don't blame you. Um, um, I I play predominantly AAA big games. Like that's my. I think generally it's because they're the games that I know I can't make and I can't. There's no. There's no. There's no. I don't see a road. Maybe it'll happen. I don't see a road where I'm directing Far Cry Six. That's not happening. I'm not Far Cry Seven, Far Cry Eight. I'm not directing Far Cry Fifteen. That's not a road. <laughs> How's your I French? Is your French yeah, good? Exactly. <laughs> not not as good as it would need to be um like there's no there's no path that gets me into that role into that position so therefore i'm not playing it and picking it apart when i play an indie game i'm often going oh what can i steal from this what can i use from this in my next game what can i it feels like work to an extent because i'm kind of i've got my analytical brain on whereas yeah i play something like far cry 5 and it's like oh explosions like it's fine it's just nice it's not it doesn't i don't feel a need to there's still cool stuff that's inspiring and kind of sets your mind going but it definitely feels like less of a do you have the phrase in america a busman's holiday no it's it means it means like um well, it's a busman's holiday. It means like uh, doing something in your spare time that is too okay. much like your job. So you kind of so you don't get the pleasure of enjoying it. Like driving around like if you're if you worked a bus and then you just drove on your free day. Exactly. Like a busman going on a bus trip in his spare time. is just the same thing. And I feel like, yeah, so I, I tend to play stuff that is that AAA. I really liked Horizon, actually. I really got on with Horizon. I like the world building, actually. I, think, I don't think it gets enough credit for its narrative work, actually, Horizon. like you I want to keep playing it, so. Yeah, you should. Like, I think you'd enjoy a lot of the kind of thematic stuff and character stuff comes in right at the end annoyingly so like but i i i I was i (laughs) i was i was playing it and i was you know you know when you're playing a game you're like this is definitely the last boss fight so it's like i'm i'm enjoying it having a good time and my brain starts to wander it's like what's what's gonna be my pithy tweet about this and i thought (laughs) oh well i guess like there's this really interesting thematic thing about a character that i think is a really interesting take and i've not seen any of the reviews so that'll be an interesting thing to say about the game kind of an observation i've had right and then in the last cutscene of the game literally in voiceover the characters like hey i guess i'm a bit like xyz <laughs> like as their as their big ending to the game it's like well okay that's not interesting then. but like <laughs> so there is that kind of there's a really interesting thematic thread that goes in i'd say in like the last three hours of the game so it's definitely worth playing for you. mike i'm I, I got friggin i have night in the woods on my plate i got i got i still need to play night in the woods as well especially now it's bafta winning yeah that's that, that's, that's that's your country it's your people. Yeah, exactly. Once once the queen says we have to play it, then we've we've got to play it. That's By royal decree, the game of the year is <laughs> Night in the Woods. That's right. Uh yeah, I have that. My buddy loaned me the Shadow of the Colossus reboot, which I've never played Shadow of the Colossus. Um, oh, well, that's interesting. I, that would be really interesting because I think when I was playing, because I've got I played the reboot and I loved the original, so I love the new one because it's just the same thing. Right. I wondered as I played it though, like how it would feel to someone who's played like who, who's just played horizon like it's a very it's very old school it's gonna be real i'd be really interested in hearing how you get on with that when you oh play yeah it, cause... I, yeah i'll let you know um yeah it's it's just one of those games that's basically in the video game canon it's in the pantheon oh, you have to, yeah you have to play it or it's like i've also never played journey and whenever i tell people i've never played journey they like wig out so we never played journey either i'll i'll, I'll yeah we're too I, busy I, mike too busy too busy i don't know there are people there's always that one person isn't there in every like friendship group who's played every game and seen every movie and also has a job and a life and you're like how the hell do you do all these things like (laughs) i haven't slept the past seven years i think that's it i think that's it yeah what's your what's your what's what games on your pile of shame that you're most shameful of 
shame. It, actually, Night in the Woods is very high on the pile of shame because that's one that I should play just because, well, A, I love those guys, and B, it's it's obviously done some really interesting work. Um, what else is on my on my list? I need to play more of Assassin's Creed Origins. There you go. It's another, it's again another AAA <laughs> Ubisoft game. But like, I played, I played enough of it that I really liked it. But I just fell off it, so I need to finish that. Um, honestly, right now it's just such a busy time. I'm not playing many games. I'm not feeling too guilty about it, if I'm honest. A lot. But my plan is once once I'm in a less busy position, I just want to kind of catch up on all the big indie games I missed because I played I played inside and I actually share kind of your criticism of that in terms of like not being satisfied by the ending sadly um but that was amazing so like i need to i i definitely oh i'll tell you what's on my pile of shame is the new one from the brothers um oh well, yeah yeah how's that have you played I, that yet? i haven't touched it yeah because that's a game that requires not only me to have free time but me to have a friend who also has free time at the exact time so that's that's <laughs> one that's going to be a struggle to kind of find the right moment to play but that's on my list definitely i think you can uh share your copy like if you buy a copy you can automatically like have someone play without them buying a second copy i forget how it works but there, there's something something like that yes, that's nice i like that i guess you have to really with a game that's can't really be played on your own yeah it's like permanently co-op yeah yeah um yeah i mean so so i bought night in the woods like the week it came out which was like the week before gdc um i didn't go to gdc last year but i did go to pax east and so i bought it played a little bit of it and then zelda came out and so i played a little bit of zelda and then i flew out to pax east came back and then just kept playing zelda (laughs) and then i told becca as much on the podcast at pax south in january where i was like I think Night in the Woods would be right up my alley. I've played one hour of it because I was just way too busy last year and I'm, I will permanently be sorry. But I was, uh, when I was helping them out at the Finji booth at PAX East, they, uh, they, they have, you know, terminals for all their games. So Tunic and then Night in the Woods and Overland and the Night in the Woods terminal. Uh, I was watching it and I was like, all right, I need to see, I've only played like an hour or so into this game. I need to see where it, where this demo ends. Um, so like I can catch myself up. It literally ends at the point I stop playing. Like not even like oh ten minutes after or ten minutes before. It's like literally the exact same point I stop playing that game. Games definitely have these natural stopping points. Like you definitely see patterns of like everyone finish, everyone stops playing this game after this specific moment or this specific boss fight. Like you you do see those weird patterns recurring. Like it's a thing. And that that'd be interesting to look at to kind of study to see what what's the natural resting point well i mean that's i mean that's that's what a lot of mobile game design is is just working out like how to retain people retain just means keep them playing right so it's like because because yeah and tracking those using analytics to see exactly where people stop playing and every game i make i'm like i'm gonna put analytics in this one and i never never have time to it's always that kind of job you put off for the entirety of development so i like the unity analytics they're pretty they're pretty they're pretty straightforward yeah they're not that bad but but still like just something that we always put off and put off and put off and then don't do yeah i think i have like an analytic that's like been in my game since i started working on it and then i think the link to the back end i think i changed my email or something or made a new unity account so like that it's not even surfacing that anymore because it's just broken uh but yeah um i also bought tacoma the day it came out and i have yet to play tacoma that's really good actually that one's really good i'm sorry steve played that on a on a flight i think I think I did. I, I still need to finish it. I need to go back to it. But yeah, that's great. Like and 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 the storytelling, 
the the character performances like the animation's really good i don't i don't see many people talking about that like in terms of i don't know i don't it doesn't look like mocap to me it looks keyframe animated but like the physical performances of the characters the amount of effort that's been put into that is absolutely amazing are you talking about the holograms as well as the characters hands yeah, the holograms in particular, the the scenes you see and the way they use body language to kind of communicate. So it's really nice. Tacoma is really well thought out. Nice game. Yeah, I don't know what you would call that tier of like indie studios, like your your Fulbrights or your Campo Santos, but obviously like they're 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 doing they're doing larger games, like larger games than like you or I are working on. Um, and it's interesting to watch them. It's like okay, they have you know they obviously have resources and people to to make these larger scope games, but they they still don't have the the bandwidth to do kind of full character performances on the screen because you know you saw Gone Home was a lot of like kind of kind of cheating that um, even though Gone Home is one of my favorite games, and then also in Campo Santo there's like a single character that's ever on the screen and it's like the pilot, the helicopter pilot on the end that's like waving you on. Um, and when they, when Campo Santo announced their new game in the Valley of Gods, it was very much like a, oh my God, like they're going for it. They're going to have this actor on the screen the entire time. And like, that's, and everything is going to, and obviously Jane Ng is doing like an amazing job with like all the art direction and stuff, but it's, it's, it's fascinating to see like, okay, is this going to be the next step for that size indie developer, um, to try to keep pushing that? That would be cool. I mean, it's very, I mean, it's expensive. That's the problem. Like that's the, in to, in to do it well. And because you're absolutely, uh, you know, a lot, of, a lot of people feel like indies, we should get like um, the benefit of the doubt from the audience. Like, oh, it's not going to look as good as, but no, the players don't care. Like they're there and they, and they shouldn't have to, like they're, they're used to a certain degree of performance from characters in games. We have to either do something different or something as good as what they're seeing in the, in the triple A stuff they love. So it's, it's, it's a scary thing. I mean, my games predominantly are about robots or characters wearing masks or like, I don't show faces and that's, that's a conscious decision for exactly the reason you've said is it's, it's tough. It's tough to do that stuff. Well, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated to see where it goes with that kind of stuff. If anyone can do it, it's those guys. They're amazing. Yeah. Well, Mike, uh, is there anything else you'd like to, to touch on? Um, I'm trying to think of, we kind of touched about a lot of stuff, uh, narrative design. Um, <laughs> we wandered all over the place. We did. Uh, we made a mention to Mike Footer's uh, Game Dev Business Handbook, which I'm glad we, we mentioned because he's an awesome dude. Did we he, mention Subsurface Circular, which is available on PC, iPad, and Switch? I, I hear it's recall. 20% off. It is right now, yeah. But I mean, even generally, you know, generally you can find it most places for five dollars or or a little bit more, um, and it's doing really well. I hear you have to play it on a train. You do that. That's and post a photo on social media. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's 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 been very well received, and that's awesome. The reviews are great and everything, and then you should pick it up. I don't know, if, but I don't, I don't think we need to mention. It. I don't want to go over the, the top <laughs> with the plugging. It seems inappropriate. No, no, that's um, fine. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that's, I think that's, there's the main plugs and you're, you, like you said, you're ramping up to, towards the, the next thing you're, you're working on. We got a couple of things, a couple of things we're doing, which Ooh. are interesting. Yeah, we'll see. I like to, I like to keep people guessing, I like to surprise people with weird stuff. Um, it's going to be a surprising few months to be a fan of what we make. I'll put it that way. Was subsurface a day and date announcement? I can't remember. Yes. Okay. It was, it was, um, it was announced. Yeah. It was, uh, five tweets. 
Okay. And then we and with subsurface as well, we'd um we'd sent it out to press like a couple of weeks beforehand so we could make sure there were reviews and stuff. So people had like an informed I didn't want people to feel like we were just kind of releasing it and not doing anything because it was terrible. Like I wanted there to be reviews that said, like, no, this is okay, this is all right game, you know. Um so yeah, we we did that and it went really well. It was, it was people seemed to like being surprised by it. And it also meant that there was no hype, there was no build up. People didn't expect something that was bigger than it was. And subsurface was really taken on its own terms. People just kind of came to the game and liked it or didn't like it, but it wasn't we weren't trying to match an expectation set up by a trailer two years before, you know. So that that was definitely cool. That was cool. That's kind of the way to do it nowadays. Like especially with like there's just so many there's so much stuff just coming out all the time. It's just like, you know, if you're Mike Bithel and you create Thomas was alone, this strategy might work for you. Yeah, first of all, you gotta go back in time. No, yeah, <laughs> exa- but exactly that. For us, it works. I'm. Uh, someone said to me like, uh, I was. I can't remember where, but I think maybe at GC. Someone was like, "So, do you think all shit people should just release their game and and do no marketing?" And I'm like, "They do do that. They do that. That's that, <laughs> that's Steam now. Like, there's a lot of people doing that, and it doesn't work for lots of people because they've they've not got a reputation. But for us, we were in a position where we had a game that we we thought was good, but we also knew could be misunderstood or seen as bigger than it was, and we took a gamble on it. And and yeah, it's. So far, it's it's like our fastest selling game yet. It's been doing That's really awesome. well, which is great. Um, so yeah, we'll continue to play with different ways. I think the key thing though is every game is different. Every some games need to be announced a year before release, and some games need to be announced the moment they're out on the store. And I think we're gonna always try and find the best way of talking about any specific game that that does the game the service it requires. You know, I don't want, and um, we're always gonna try and be as open and transparent about that with people as possible. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that that size of game, like you know, Subsurface or like Florence, like I think, I'm I'm excited to see what people do more with that space. Like this very narrative driven, very small vignettes. Well, it suits it suits it because I think an hour and a half to two hours, you can tell a great story and satisfy people just on that basis. I think as games get bigger, there's you know some stories don't want that long. You don't need to tell a story like a Subsurface Circular as an eight hour game would be a nightmare. You'd hate it um so it's kind of it's nice to find it's nice that we live in a time where we can release a game choose a price that makes sense for that game choose a way of releasing it that makes sense for that game and just go for it it's not a one-size-fits-all solution anymore for for developers or it doesn't have to be we can we can we can work things out on a game-by-game basis which is great awesome well mike i think that's a good conversation i think that's a good place to end it uh how do you how do you feel do you feel good I it was all right. It was all right. I've had okay. So, no, it's been wonderful. Okay, okay. Seven out of ten. Seven out of ten. It was very much the volume of conversations. It was oh, eight out of ten. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, oh, I can say it. it's fine. Um, but no, it was yeah, it was good talking to you, man. It's nice because we yeah, the last conversation we had was over dinner. This is we didn't record that one. I used many more swear words. I was very dismissive and rude about a lot of people in the industry. Oh, not at all. Not at all. Offensive um, language. It was it was horrible. But okay. this was nice. This I did better. I'm glad. I'm glad. And I'd love to have you on again if if there's it maybe when your next game comes out or before then, whenever you want to chat. Uh, maybe whenever you're in the States we can we can catch up. Yeah, absolutely. I'm in a boring part of the States. I'm in Virginia. Nothing really happens down here game wise. 
So well, except 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 you know, America happened in Virginia. <laughs> it did. There's some yeah. history. I, th- I think I've about that sometimes. There's some history. There's I think history. about that where it's just like, man, we used to Virginia used to be top dog. It used to be like on top <laughs> of the world, and now look at us. All we are is just fucking. All we're known is for is military and like Langley, CIA, FBI, military. Like there's nothing. We got nothing. And then also, uh, there's this little thing happened. It was called the Civil War. It was over slavery, and that's also really weird. Living in the former capital of the Confederacy. There's some, like I said, some history. <laughs> some history. Some history. Some history. No kings, though. No kings are buried in parking lots over here. No. <laughs> No, we uh, our kings are buried in nicer car parks. Of America. We, wouldn't, we wouldn't allow our kings to be buried in a car park these, in uh, in America. Only, only only British car parks for kings. Like that's <laughs> that's the level that we have to hit. You know. These British garages. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, Mike. Uh, where can people find you? Um, t- too many places. Um, Twitter probably. That's usually the best place to get me. To the extent that my girlfriend doesn't text me anymore, she just DMs me. She knows that's going to get through <laughs> easier. Um, so yeah, my name at my name Mike Bithell on Twitter, and I'm sorry in advance. Like I, I wouldn't follow me on Twitter. I find myself massively dull on there. But fair enough. You're you're, you're wrong. <laughs> you're just wrong, Mike. There's a lot of people disagree with you. <laughs> Lots of people. Just generally, and most of the, most, I think a lot of people, I think at least half of the people who follow me on Twitter do so just uh, because they dislike me <laughs> to so much. Shout at you, just to shout at me. It's fine. It's fine. Well, if you like this podcast and you'd like to listen to all of our other podcasts, you can find them at ward-games.com or on Twitter at Ward Video Games or on iTunes, Google Play, or anywhere else you can listen to a podcast. Mike, thank you so much. Thank you. You're welcome. Until next time. Bye. Bye.